1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Ronnie Anderson with Coaching and Consulting by Ronnie. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much, Lee. I'm honored to be here and looking forward to our conversation.
1: Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about your practice. How are you serving folks?
0: Um, So I work and focus mainly on uh, small business owners. I focus on uh, helping them with their employees, uh, leadership development, um, emotional intelligence, and that. I was in uh, human resources for 20 years and um, really like to leverage human capital um, so that uh, it can increase the owner's bottom line.
1: So now small business means different things to different people. Like a small business could be a one-person solopreneur, but it could be also, you know, a according to the government, I think it's like 500 people uh, working there. So how do you define small business?
0: Yeah, good question. For me, it's generally someone that has at least 50 to 100 employees. So since again, my focus is on leadership and that, it's you know, having somebody that just has one employee or just a couple of employees, probably wouldn't be as good a fit for me as you know, a company that has, a, has uh, more employees. They can get back to the 50 or 100
1: employees. So now when a, a company has that many employees, 50 to 100, what kind of challenges occur when they've kind of outgrown maybe everybody they've known and and personally hired to now they've got a little more robust organization?
0: As far as who they need to hire next
1: within their organization? Right. Like what kind of growing pains do they typically have when they've kind of outgrown you know, kind of usually when you start a business, you're hiring people, you know, a little bit or you've oh, gotten sure. to know. And but when you get to the 50 to 100 mark now, you may not know every employee that personally or as well. And then a lot of new folks are coming in and you got to really get them bought into the culture and the the why and the mission and all that other good stuff that is a, it's a different kind of animal at that point. And you might need help in kind of managing your human capital when you get to that size?
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no question that um, it transforms and changes and and morphoses as you grow as a business. You know, usually things become a little bit more formalized than when you're smaller, a little bit more standard operating procedures and that um, probably a little bit um, more robust employee handbook, that sort of thing. But absolutely, um, you mentioned company culture, and that's a big part of it. Um, I firmly believe even though when you have only a couple employees if your plan is to grow is to establish and define what kind of culture you want to have because if you don't do that I promise you one will evolve on its own and it may not be the one that you want it to be and if you have to try to correct that it's a lot harder than if you had already established it and it just kind of grew and developed as the company was growing in the direction that you wanted. Um, you know, with more employees, when you have more employees, sometimes there's um, you'll probably have more employee relations problems and issues. And so that's when it's really important to have strong managers and leaders that understand how to, you know, manage their employees appropriately, um, you know, so that you can minimize those issues and concerns and kind of take care of them. Um, in the very beginning before they get too large and uh, create too many issues for everyone involved.
1: Now, you've used the word leadership uh, several times. Is that really uh, kind of your sweet spot in helping leaders either become better leaders or identifying up-and-coming leaders and helping them grow into uh, their role as a leader?
0: Yes, I really enjoy working with developing leaders and making them as strong as they can. I think, you know, Lee, we've all had a bad manager in our career, and um, I would like to see as few of those in the world as can be, because as you know, when you're working with a difficult or a hard um, manager, it can aff- affect your whole life, so not only your job, uh, when you're at your job, but, you know, when you're home as well, and, and I don't want that for the manager or the leader. I don't want that for the uh, employee. And I, I think it, you know, obviously it hurts the organization and I want the organization to be profitable, um, you know, so that, so everybody has more um, financial and time freedom, to be honest with you. So um, yeah, very passionate about it. I just, as, a, as being in human resources for 20 years, I saw a lot of missed opportunities. I, lo- I saw a lot of people not getting it right. And um, just would like to help do my part in changing that in any way that I can.
1: Now, if there's an executive out there, um, what are some symptoms of a poor leader that they might have on the team? Are there some breadcrumbs that people who aren't kind of getting it done in terms of leadership are leaving so that uh, you can identify them and help um, coach them up?
0: Yeah, so one of the things I I think that, um, you know, managers, leaders, executives get extremely busy. And I think sometimes because of that, they choose to take shortcuts that serve in the moment, but not for the long term. And what I mean by that, for example, is, you know, instead of addressing someone after a meeting, they do it right in the meeting. Now, everybody, if we we did a pop quiz, everybody would know that's not the right thing to do. But I'm going to guess everybody has been in a meeting when a leader inappropriately criticized or uh, put somebody down. And again, I think part of that is, is two things. Again, it saves time to just do it and get it done right there. Um, but it also, um, they, they justify why they did it. Sometimes I, I see people when they get to be leaders, they're, oh, they're fine. They're, they won't have a problem with that. They don't mind that I talk to them like that. And Having also had employees in my office as an HR professional, I know it does matter to them and it does affect them. Um, so, you know, just kind of looking at the way that they manage and the way that they handle their employees and how much communication they have with their employees and keeping them up to date, because if you don't, they'll fill in the holes. Um, you know, they'll make up things and they'll get concerned in that. So I'm a big proponent for really almost over communicating that you can't communicate enough with your employees on, you know, what's going on with changes and that sort of thing. So those just a couple of examples of some things that, you know, um, I can come in and coach um, executives or leaders on to try to help them have a better relationship with their employees, which again, is going to help the organization. It's just going to be a win-win for everybody.
1: Now, did the um, pandemic and the forcing folks to work remotely, did that impact your business?
0: Yes, it did, Lee, <laughs> honestly. Um, I, I've had my business for about two years. And so I started in May of 19. So I, was, I had started my business and about nine or 10 months into it, the pandemic came around. And so obviously didn't have the opportunity to do some of the networking face-to-face that I would have liked to have. Um, but I think we're on the upswing and I think we're at least going to go back to a hybrid where, you know, there's still going to be some zoom and zoom networking in that. But I do think there's going to be some opportunities to get in front of people and shake their hand and, and, uh, get to meet them. So, and I'm looking forward to
1: that. Now, was there, um, any of your clients that had to move to a remote environment have challenges of staying, keeping their employees engaged? and, and um, maybe having some leadership issues because they weren't face-to-face anymore and they were having to deal with issues and deal with people remotely.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was, there was um, some of that because it is different to manage somebody rem- remotely. However, I'm fortunate enough in that um, even before the pandemic, I had previously worked in an environment where we had employees all over the United States and that had a lot of managers that were managing their employees remotely. So I had some kind of things that I could help with, with again, that goes back to that communication. And, um, and you got to trust them. It's a little bit, you know, it's, it's a different, it takes a little bit to, to not see everybody and see exactly what they're doing and for their uh, to, to grow and develop that trust. And uh, some of that just is, just takes time.
1: Yeah, and I think that something that was has been missing with the work from home is those, uh, I like to call them collisions, or that serendipity where you run into somebody and then you miss those opportunities for those accidental uh, communications to, you know, ask a question real quick or to, you know, uh, look over someone's shoulder as they're doing something. Uh, you, you miss that, and I, it's hard to replicate that in a virtual environment
0: absolutely there's no question about it um, you know and that's what one of the reasons it's good to have you know maybe weekly by the weekly whatever works for the dynamics of your organization and what you're working on is to at least get together every once in a while it's still not going to be the same as what you're talking about but at least there's kind of that opportunity to be um, sitting around in a zoom room I guess and being able to um, kind of express some things that have been going on or just to share some things on that. But yes, it's, as you said, it's definitely different.
1: Now, earlier you mentioned that uh, corporate culture, company culture is something that's going to happen whether you put attention to it or not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether you're trying to be mindful about it or not, it's a culture is going to happen. Do you have any advice for folks that are trying to have A positive culture and one that's productive. Is there some things that some do's and don'ts when it comes to kind of orchestrating or architecting a culture? Sure.
0: Well, number one, I think you just, you need to first decide what do you want it to look like? And is there someone or some culture that maybe you can model that you've seen work well, you know, um, I don't know if you ever like you go into a place and there's just a different feel to it. Like, you know, you get greeted and everybody's smiling and, you know, it's upbeat and, and that. And if you're like, you know what, that's what I want. You know, maybe even talk to the owner and say, what did you do to develop this? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with who you hire and, you know, um, hiring for attitude and having a positive outlook and that sort of thing, not always just for their skill set. But, you know, and then again, on the opposite side of things, you've walked in and you don't, you know, nobody's there or, or that to greet you. So you just need to somewhat look at those. I mean, I, I, one of the extremes is everybody looks at, you know, Google and them having their pods and and uh, whiteboards that they can work on in the hallway and that. Not everybody can have that. But, you know, again, is that the kind of you do you want to kind of model that? Um you know, or is there some other place that you'd like to uh, model that you've seen, in the, and again, that works well. Um,
1: and then communicating that true north, right that that makes things a lot easier, and decisions get made a lot um, faster if people know what we believe in, and this is who we are. We are this, and we're not that. The clearer you can be with some of those core values, I think that that helps the culture and, and that helps you identify the right fit when it comes to hiring.
0: Absolutely. Well, and what you want to do is when you have a mission statement or, or your vision and that sort of thing, you don't want it to just be in your handbook or even if it's put up on a wall, you've got to somehow find a way for that to become a living, breathing document, you know, and that can look different for different organizations, but you know, maybe it's everybody's given a t shirt with the company logo on it and um you know everybody I don't I'm trying to think of another example, but again you you want to make sure and you want to make sure you stand behind it because you know the worst thing you can do is have a company company values that you do not practice.
1: Right. It has to be authentic. Like you gotta walk the walk. You can't say you believe in one thing and then behave differently uh you know in the office.
0: Yes, absolutely. But again, we all know that, Lee, but it's not always practiced. And so I, you know, I'm trying to just, I want people to know that you've got to be um, self-aware and you really need to be able to be honest with yourself. And um, and, you know, even sometimes I think it's good to do an employee survey and find out what the employees are thinking and making sure that your perception and the employee's perception isn't different if there maybe needs to be some adjustments made there. Um, you know, maybe you think you're living by the core values, but the employees all, you know, 80% of the employees don't, you know, then you need to go back and look and say, what am I communicating Um in a manner that comes across as though I'm not living these core values. So um, not always as it seems, I guess, is my, you know.
1: Right, and you have to be diligent. This isn't something you do once and then you're done. This is stuff you have to work on regularly.
0: Yes, absolutely, for sure. And, you know, and and, and companies evolve and grow, and so maybe those are going to, you know, change throughout the years. Or again, if you have 10 employees versus you have 250, those those might evolve and change. And I think that's okay. I think you need to look at them every once in a while and say, do these still fit? And did it, do we need to make some you know changes or adjustment? Um, I'm also a big believer in involving the employees. I have a saying where that if there's no involvement, there's no commitment. So if you can really involve the employees in some of those decision-making, I think that um, they're going to stand behind it a lot more and be more supportive of those um, of the company's mission and, and goals and values in that.
1: Now, when you're working with a, a client, what is typically the point um, of engagement that occurs first? Is there a typical reason that people bring you in? Is it that they've just maybe... Um, grew to a certain level or uh, something happened in the organization, maybe a key leader left or a key leader joined. What is your typical first point of um, engagement with a new client?
0: Well, usually, you know, I'm hoping that I'm a problem solver and that, that, you know, I'm able to solve any kind of issues or concerns that they're having. I mean, I don't specialize in everything, but they may be having something going on that, that um, they haven't been able to figure out for themselves or they want to grow. Um, and they don't know exactly how to do that as far as, you know, again, bringing in the employees. Um, and so, you know, they'll come to me when they want to, uh, you know, address something that maybe be going on in the organization.
1: So then, um, so they come to you and they go, okay, you know, I'm struggling in this area. At w- at what does that first conversation look like? How do you kind of make sure it's the right fit from both sides?
0: Sure. Well, once they present their issue or concerns with me, yeah, I mean, number one, I would definitely, if it's out of my wheelhouse, I would refer them to someone that would be a better fit for them. But if it was in my uh, wheelhouse and something that I felt like I could have them help them with, I would... I ask a lot of questions. I mean, that's kind of the difference between coaching and and consulting, but coaching is really asking a lot of questions and trying to get to, you know, the the root cause and that. But, you know, I would want to just to, to, I talk to them and and get to what's going on and then we try to work out how can we, what's the best solution to try to fix this, make out some timelines. And then, you know, one of my job is, jobs is to be, uh, hold them accountable and so that they don't slip or they don't, you know, if we said we were going to have it done by this date, you know, I try to hold them to to that so that we can make that change that they're looking for and, you know, we can address that problem and um, so that they can move
1: forward. And and coaching is one of those things uh, that can really make a lot of change pretty rapidly. Do you mind sharing a little bit about, you don't have to name the name, but what helping that you were able to help one of your clients increase a division's profits? dramatically yeah. in a short period of time. Yeah.
0: And that goes back to a couple of different things with that um, that happened was, again, instead of fixing things, a problem in the moment for the moment, we really looked at, okay, what really happened here? And how can we prevent this from happening in the future? So a lot of things, they're putting out a lot of fires, I guess. So it's like, let's, let's put out the fire, of course, in, in that. But then let's also look, what's causing all these fires? Because that obviously they take a lot of time to do to, to put out those fires versus just being able to, to you know, do your job. There was, um, um, so we put some processes in place. Again, we looked at the root cause analysis and fixed those problems. Uh, we worked on communication um, as well as emotional intelligence. Um, Harvard Business Review has said that emotional intelligence is twice as important as IQ. So I'm, and there's a lot of studies that's of uh, companies that really had a turnaround within stealing emotional intelligence. So um, that was one of the things we did as well to, to help you know, kind of turn things around. And um, luckily things, things did and, and uh, really increased their, their profits in the short amount of time, as you said.
1: Wow, that, they must have been blown away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were they were very happy.
1: Now, if there's an organization out there that wants to get a hold of you and uh, speak to you or somebody on your team, what is the website?
0: It is consultingbyronnie.com, and Ronnie is spelled R-O-N-E-E. It's with one N and two E's.
1: Well, Ronnie, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you.
0: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and I will talk to you soon.
1: All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.